you were made to count. There's a drive for significance, for relevance, to contribute, to add value to this world that God has placed in your heart. Can't get away from it. And in order to do that, you're going to have to grow. So I want to talk to you today about two different ways to grow and then invite you to grow today in the small, ordinary moments of your life. I want to start with words from Frederick Buechner. I mentioned that he just passed away. He is a hero to me, to many of us. He was a brilliant mind, wonderful thinker and writer. After he had already started his career as a writer, he decided, strangely enough, to go to seminary and to become a minister. And this was very odd to his family. They were a family that valued education. They were quite elite people, although they had fallen on difficult times and that their prized young son would do this was a head-scratcher. So here's what Buechner writes. I hear you're entering the ministry, the woman said down the long table, meaning no real harm. Was it your idea, or were you poorly advised? And as somebody who entered church ministry, I love that question. It strikes me that no matter what you do with your life, there's going to be people that think it was pretty stupid, people that think it was pretty foolish, whether you give it devotedly to God or go 180 degrees in the opposite direction or someplace in between. Therefore, you cannot make your life count. You cannot grow by trying to do what you think other people believe will count. In this case, uh, this actually happened to Buechner. He doesn't mention it in this particular passage, but it was his grandmother who asked that question. So you're going into ministry. Was that your idea or were you poorly advised? And the answer that she could not have heard, even if I could have given it, was that it was not an idea at all. Neither my own, nor anyone else's. It was a lump in the throat. It was an itching in the feet. It was a stirring in the blood at the sound of rain. It was a sickening of the heart at the sight of misery. It was a clamoring of ghosts. It was a name which, when I wrote it out in a dream, I knew was a name worth dying for. Even if I was not brave enough to do the dying myself and could not even name the name for sure. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you a high and driving peace. I will condemn you to death. And that name, of course, was the name of Jesus who Buechner said somehow he knew was calling him, somehow he knew had a message and a purpose that was worth living for and worth dying for, even if he wasn't brave enough to do it well, and even if his faith was not strong enough for him to be able to name it confidently. He grew, as we all do, in two ways. A lot of you will have heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and trauma is a topic that gets talked about a lot in our day. Uh, It is very common in human life in big ways and in little ways. However, there's also another condition that researchers have been talking about for the last few decades, and that's called PTG, post-traumatic growth. It turns out that while some people are devastated by trauma, and they're left a kind of shell of their former self and never really able to cope well with or embrace life again, there are folks, there are many folks, who are not just survivors, they're sometimes called thrivers. And when they come out the other side of whatever trauma they face, they discover 
that there are reserves of courage in them that they did not know that they had. And their relationships with other people become deeper rather than more shallow, often because they meet them in the place of suffering and pain. And they, they have a kind of hope. They discover now that there is a purpose to their life that didn't exist earlier on. I think of one man who had been terminated twice. He was an executive at not-for-profits for allegations of sexual harassment. Ended up driving a car, getting in an accident. His wife suffered minor injuries, but he was in a coma. It took him almost a year to learn how to walk and talk again. And he said afterwards, you might think that my life is in danger because of the accident. Really, it was in danger before the accident. And because I went through what I went through, I had a chance to reflect and to think about what direction my life was headed in and change it and to learn what love is. I think about another woman who went through the experience of being sexually abused when she was young and somehow not only did she survive it, there rose in her spirit a kind of determination to do what is right and be helpful to other peoples that is stunning to me and other people who watch her. For Beekner himself, he writes in one of his books about the most searing memory of his life. When he was 10 years old, the door to his bedroom opened and he saw his father's face uh, poke in and look at him and his brother without saying a word and then the door closed. And he left, and that was the last time Frederick Beekner ever saw his dad. His dad went downstairs into the garage and committed suicide. He was deeply disappointed in his life, in his work. And Fred Beekner never got over the absence of his father and the wound in his heart. And it's a theme that recurs over and over and over again in his writings. And somehow that loss of an earthly father drove him against all odds to spend his life searching for and naming his longing for a heavenly father in a way that filled so many people with faith. I don't understand exactly how this works. Even though Beekner himself was filled with doubt and named those doubts all the time, he had a way of building into the faith of me and so many other people that was profound. We grow uh, very often in deepest ways through trauma. Not only that, folks that do research in this area say that thrivers uh, grow not just through post-traumatic growth, but also through post-ecstatic growth. It turns out it's not just when something negative happens to you that that can stimulate great growth, but also something positive, the birth of a child. We have good friends who have a little baby that is now a month old. They were so excited, brought her over yesterday, and we're saying in her first month, she has grown two inches already because to live is to grow. And I calculated if she kept growing at that rate, two inches a month, by the time she's four years old, she will be eight feet tall. And of course, our bodies don't keep growing like that, but our spirits are intended to. We are intended to grow and not to stop. And it turns out that can happen not just through trauma, but also through ecstasy, also through falling in love, or having a dream come true where I discover this is what I was meant to do or become. Now, in both cases with trauma and ecstasy, what leads to growth is when they disrupt core beliefs. I thought my dad would always be there to protect me. He will not. Where can I find solid ground on which to stand? I thought that my life would always be my own. It will not. How can I make a life that is fit to belong to another? It is the disruption of core beliefs that can lead to either desolation uh, or great growth for a thriver. 
And the primary uh, variable that determines whether or not it will lead to growth is what is sometimes in research called meaning making. From a biblical perspective, it's really meaning finding. For there is a name of one worth dying for. There is meaning that is built into life. I don't make it. I can discover it. And so we are able to grow even in times of great trauma. Um, death is the paradigmatic trauma. And the most dramatic event in the history of humankind is the crucifixion. And then we can grow through ecstasy. And that is through resurrection. So I ask you today, where has there been trauma, hurt, pain in your life? What core belief is that disrupting? Where do you find meaning? Where can you find God there? And then what good is going on in your life? Where is there some ecstasy, either euphoric real big or just a small one? And how can you find God, invite him into the small moments of your life. When you are done listening to this right now, there is nothing too small. When you brush your teeth, when you send an email, when you go to work, when you just, God, would you be with me now? Would you help me to name the name, to find the meaning? Maybe it's make a memory. I just had dinner with Linda, my administrative assistant, and Nancy and my great friend, in the most painful weekend of our life, Linda also went through great pain, suffered from a brain aneurysm and still wrestles with that. And we were having dinner last night. I was thinking our conversations were not nearly as um, grandiose as they might have been five years ago, but the beauty and meaning of them is so deep. Where Nance and I live, uh, they have a pool. We rent the little pool house. And last week there was a party for a group of people that volunteer together and they have this ritual every year before the academic year starts where um, everybody puts on a bathing suit and they spray each other with shaving cream and then jump in the pool. There are people wearing Speedos that have no business wearing Speedos. When you see that, you cannot unsee it. Um, and yet they create a memory for themselves that gives them joy and growth. And every day is an opportunity to create a memory, to invite God into what's going on. That's our day. In the trauma and the ecstasy, there is a name. He is worth dying for, worth living for. Make this day count. See you next time. Thanks for joining us here at becomenew.me. If you'd like to receive the daily emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me at gmail.com. Or if you want prayer, you can text us at 855-888-0444.